0: Ah, yes,
1: (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special edition of Veterans Minimum. Uh, We are doing it through the Hangouts of Google, yes, because we got hit with a storm. (laughs) What is this? Since since I am the one that knows how to, uh, you know, use the Google Hangouts, I was gifted, well, self-appointed gift of doing the intro. So I'm going to throw it over to the host before I uh, bury us even more. Here we are.
2: Okay. Don't worry. I am here. We will be fine. Uh thank you, Nick, for that Ah
3: I must say we are I'm glad that Joey is the host of our show. No offense, Nick, but the rundown, yeah. the you know what I'm saying, the, the well that we're back, much better than the IS.
1: Let's go. I don't know. Listen, we're it's We're back. It, You know how Joey appointed himself the three-point king and and all these nicknames going up? I didn't do that. I have given myself the (laughs) title of greatest intro to a
3: podcast in the world.
2: Yeah, Nick's all all about that. Also a (laughs)
3: self-appointed nickname or self-appointed title.
2: Yeah, exactly. We do a lot of self-appointing here. We don't earn anything (laughs) over here at Santa Gata Studios. Uh, Uh, But anyway. Can I
1: touch – can I tell you guys real quick about my new addiction? Oh, God. Uh, it's Fortnite. Well, it's gotten, I, knew, I knew that. New? It's, gotten, you yeah, know, it's new. gotten bad. It's gotten bad, though, man. I'm playing a lot. Um, it, I've never been more obsessed with a video game. And we've gone on these Call of Duty benders and just cowboy ragers sit in on weekends just to play
3: COD. But nothing like this, man. It's unbelievable. Yo, I work late, like Tuesday, Wednesday night. I never see anybody of our friend group on Xbox. You were on last night till 1.30 in the morning on Fortnite. I was blown away.
1: Yeah, I was thinking of joining your party, but there's a lot of legends on that. Oh
3: yeah, <laughs> yo. When when the team leaves Call of Duty, and I'm an avid Call of Duty player, sometimes you gotta you know join new forces. And I, I know I've done that.
2: I'm trying to get back into COD, man. I retired from Fortnite. I wanted out. I got out. So, you know what I'm saying? I went cold turkey. So now I'm ready I'm ready to get back on COD. And I've been playing, and my KD's going up. So I still got it.
3: Let's get still it, let's got get it. it. I'm, I'm, I'm always armed and ready.
1: Good. Yo, before we we'll go on. Right Well, yeah, yeah. last thing about the video games. If you guys did not check out the episode that we had with uh, Dirk, the eSports commentator for Call of Duty, definitely check that out. Uh, It was pretty fun insight. I've always wanted to get some insight on eSports, and I know you guys did also. So, yeah, Yeah. check that out. It's up. Uh,
2: All right, cool. Let's set off this this episode by talking about the, the Combine, one of my faves, you know. I actually... Probably since I started watching sports watch the combine the least this year Wow than the, other, than the other years yeah this is like the little. but I mean that's not saying much because I still watch a good amount of it and that just goes to show like usually I'll sit there for like four hours straight and just watch people run routes <laughs> uh, <laughs> but a um, lot of, lot of, uh, let's talk about the one one thing that everyone is kind of noticing uh, like Shaq Griffin this guy crushes the combine it's got one hand runs like a 4 3 eight, 20 bench pre- uh 20 reps on the bench press, just put on a show. I think that like a lot of people were shocked, and he's kind of been the story as far as the, the combine goes. Do you think that this is like a huge help to his stock, or is it just like it's the combines no one really cares that much?
1: I mean, I think huge, huge help is an understatement, considering that this guy wasn't even invited initially to the combine and then through protests and Twitter and social media and a lot of other players, including his brother, who's one member of the Legion of Boom, uh, Griffin, number 26, I believe he is, on the, on the Seahawks. You know, just because this kid didn't have a hand, it was holding him back from getting an invite to the combine, and then he gets the invite to the combine and just absolutely crushes it. People were projecting him to be in the four six four seven range, And to come out and run a faster 40 than Odell Beckham Jr., it's it's unbelievable. I think he was definitely the superstar of the Combine this week, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I think, like, you know, the Combine, I firmly believe that you can only help your stock at the Combine. You can't necessarily hurt your stock. So he's a prime example of someone who, who should be on the rise on draft boards. I don't know where he was slated beforehand, but I would have him you know, in the second or third round range. I think the game of football in general is changing to a speed game, you know, and you want someone like that, a linebacker, who can chase down a running back, who can chase down a wide receiver, downfield. So, I mean, why not give this guy a chance? And I also agree. with
1: him, like with, the, with defensive ends, right, it's such a premium position. Uh, the way I value football positions, it's obviously it's quarterback then offensive line and then defensive line, in my opinion. And you can never have enough good pass rushes. And I think that this dude is going to be solid.
2: Uh, also someone who else, someone else who had a monster combine, which we all kind of saw coming. Saquon Barkley. Uh, my God, I hope the Giants take this guy after seeing this combine. This dude's like a freak. Uh, so at the combine, he, was, he did more – what do he do, 29 or something like that? I think 29 reps on the bench press. Uh, he was sh- stronger than Joe Thomas, quicker than Deshaun Jackson, faster than Devin Hester, and jumps higher than Julio. Had like a 41-inch vert.
3: That's it's like the ultimate freak. mega athlete. We always talked. – we've done in the past our episodes of building the perfect quarterback, and you just built the perfect, like, I know. physical specimen. I know.
2: It's insane. If you're, if you're the Browns, do you take them?
1: So the Browns are in, I think, the most unique situation a team has ever been in a draft. They got two picks in the top four, right? And the way it's slated, right, if you were to mock draft in your head, they clearly need a quarterback, right? We could all agree on that one. But mm-hmm. the Colts don't need a quarterback, right? So... And all signs point to the Giants kind of riding it out with Eli, which, you know, that's a, that could be its own episode about me ranting and venting on that. (laughs) But you're Cleveland, right? The best player in this draft is probably Barkley. But do you take a running back at number one? If you do, you're still going to get a chance to get one of those quarterbacks at four, right? Because... The Giants are going to take one. And even if the Giants take one, right, say the Giants take Donald or Rosen or whoever you have number one, the third team on the board is the Colts, and they got Andrew Luck, who is 27 or 28 years old. He's still young. He's now hitting his athletic prime. They're not going to take a quarterback. So you have a chance to definitely take the best player in this draft In a lot of people's opinions. I think also he's the best player in this draft offensively for sure if you're Cleveland, I think he's definitely in play for number one.
2: I think if you're Cleveland, like you've taken so many chances on quarterbacks and all these people that you could still get one and you can get for what looks like a sure thing in Barkley back there. I mean, you went out last season, you spent a bunch of money on the O line and then you have fucking, uh, boss's boy Crowell getting two yards of carry and shit. If you get to put him behind this line, uh, they could have a legit run game and, you know, but also you could, it really depends on how much stock they put into someone like, you know, Sam Darnold, or, you know, one of these quarterbacks or something like that. Because if they think that the jump from him to like Rosen or whoever is significant, then, I mean, they'll probably do that and maybe take someone to build their defense or something. I saw someone's mock draft that said they would take this project maybe at four.
3: Listen, not for nothing. I know they're not heavily linked, but there are, there is a couple big fish out there on the quarterback market on free agency, which is before the draft. So if they somehow, some way, land a big fish on the quarterback market, why not draft Saquon Barkley? You have like, the quarterback class is so good that Saquon, you know, might fall a tad from, you know, two or three to four. But why not? I mean, why not take him at one if, if you land that big fish in the free agency market? Or, or you could get unorthodox in draft Bradley Chubb, who's also would probably be a number one pick in a non-touted QB class for the ages. So, I mean, I think the Browns can go a couple of different ways here. Um, like I said, depending on what happens in free agency. And I, like I said, also, I know they're not heavily linked, but. You never know. They got a ton of money. So money sometimes changes things for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. And I think the big fish that you're you're talking about in particular is Kirk Cousins. I know we'll get to him in a little bit. But, yo, the Browns got the most money in cap space to to dish around. And, you know, I I pulled up my Twitter because I tweeted about this when all the hype was going on about Barkley. And, you know, pretty much reiterating what I just said, but it makes sense if you're the Browns to take him on number one. He's the most talented player in the draft. And a lot of people are calling them a generational talent. And I'm all for taking a generational talent at the top pick. So it makes sense. And they're in such a unique situation where they have two picks in the top four. And yo, we've seen some of these deals that are done on draft day or even leading up to the draft where teams get a boatload of more assets and draft picks and high ones for just moving two, three spots up, you, you know? So if I'm Cleveland. I'm probably taking Barkley at number one, and then, hey, if I can land a big fish, that definitely, you
3: know, solves a lot of my issues, but you can also get a top quarterback at four. Yo, imagine Bradley Chubb and Miles Garrett on the same D-line for, like, the next five years. Jesus.
1: Forget about it. Thank God we're not in that division as a Giants fan.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think the Browns could be really good, like, after this – like, in in two years because of this – draft I mean how many times does it happen where you get two in the top four you can take two guys.
1: and think about last year right they spent all that money on free agency and look in the end of the day we're talking about a team that went 0-16 right but to be fair they also did play a lot of competitive games there were a lot of games where you know Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter does bad beats every week and the Browns are always giving up late touchdowns and if you had the defense going up against the Browns in your fantasy leagues, you were just so happy about it. But, you know, last year they had three number one picks too. And now you add more to that this year. I think I think they're going in the right direction, man.
3: They're also starting, like, a, what was he, a second-round pick to Sean Kaiser? So when you come in starting a second-round pick in year one, you're, you know, you have to limit expectations. Like, winless is a stretch, but what realistically were they going to do? Even though they spent all that money on that O-line, Josh Gordon came back. What were they gonna do with Deshaun Kaiser back there, realistically, in year one? You know, it's hard, so, and also
2: you're not getting a lot of help from the run game either,
3: for sure. But yo, if they do take Saquon Barkley, obviously Crowell becomes expendable. But I like Barkley and Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson gets minimal love. I feel like Duke Johnson personally. was legit last year. I feel like he was like yo, he's one of the he's he might be hot take the best pass catching back in the league
1: that is uh, that's a that's a take that I expect from Tim being the hot take kid that was pretty hot you was, but he he's definitely up there though he's good yeah he's just solid he it's,
3: and the yak he could rack up is crazy I feel you on I don't think he that. gets nearly yeah.
1: enough burn
2: I think he should get more minutes I think he's like a legit he like, should um, be
3: last year he should have been their all-purpose back that's what I mean, yeah. That's
1: what I mean, yeah. Yo, did you guys happen to catch the uh, the defensive back? I think he was from UConn that ran that forty, and uh, Deion Sanders lost his mind. The white yeah. dude. The oh. white dude, and he was like, "Man, yeah. yo, he's fast. He's yeah. fast." And he's and like, like why "Wait, he why, are so he's like, why are you so <laughs> surprised?" He's like, "Come on." Yeah, he's like, "Yo, <laughs> man, come on. I can't say why, but it's like, yo, Deion, I'll speak for you, bro. I was surprised that a white dude ran a forty that fast, also."
2: Not only that, but, yo, know, his first 10 yards were fast as hell. Like, he got off his uh, – his start was amazing. And, like, obviously that turn, uh, turns into a fast 40. But, like, that dude – I don't even know who it is, honestly. But his first 10 yards were so – I was like, holy shit. You could tell, like, right away the dude's, like, mad fast. But,
1: yeah, anyway. It was awesome. a funny, there was a funny little clip going up of uh, Bill Belichick. He's looking, he's looking at him running, and then he looks through the binoculars, and then his face is all, like, puckered up. Like, all oh, wide-eyed. He's like, oh, I just found another gem. <laughs> yeah, turned re- he turned it right into a saying.
3: wide
2: receiver.
1: Yeah, right?
3: No, uh, I was going to ask, because, I, you know, I talked about how the combine can't really hurt your stock. What about Orlando Brown? He's, you know, regarded as one of the top linemen in the draft and <laughs> had a, like, all-time awesome combine performance.
2: I mean, you yeah, to be fair, when you brought that up before, in my head I was like, Oh, uh, he's kind I think Boss is kind of bugging. but at the same time, we took Eric Flowers and he did not look good at the combine at all. Like there was immediately as soon as we drafted him, there was like videos of him at the combine looking like an asshole. So like I guess I, I don't know how much weight that actually holds. I
1: think it hurts uh, I think it hurts the running quarterback in particular who looks really fast on film and then he comes out and he runs a 498. Like Baker Mayfield ran in the 48 range, and when you watch him play, he's escaping tackles he's getting past linebackers and dbs but then you watch the 40 time and it's probably going to hurt him a little bit if i was a running quarterback and i didn't run in 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 uh the number that everyone was projecting me i would just say i'm not going to run the 40 and just let you base your opinion off the game film that you've seen for sure
3: i think that's why a lot of quarterbacks don't throw you know per se they i mean sometimes they do it in their comfort zone at their pro day, you know, on their own field or their own backyard with the guys there they like. But um, I don't know. I guess running the 40 – running the 40 is just super overrated anyway. I see fucking kickers running the 40 this weekend, and I was like, dude, I don't need to see a kicker running a 40. He's not getting down – I'm not trusting him to get downfield at any time or make a game-saving tackle on a blocked field goal. Like, show me a 60-yard kick. I'd be more impressed with that than his 40 time.
1: A lot of players in the NFL, more and more with the 40, you see them just saying that it's the most overrated thing at the Combine or in testing in general, unless you're on special teams. And I
2: think uh, Tom Coughlin, I think, is one of the coaches that, when he goes to the Combine and he watches, he he does his own. He starts and stops after, like, the first 15 yards or something like that. He's like, I don't care. how. When are you going to run 40 yards? You know what I mean? Unless you're a kick returner.
3: That's a good point, too, like, burst off the line or something, you know? Like, like Yeah,
2: oh, I want to see, like, you know, know yeah, I want to see that kind of speed. I want to see your explosiveness. I don't care if you can run 40 yards faster than everyone. Like, when are you going to do that, when you're chasing someone downfield because you can't cover because you're not sure. quick enough? <laughs> <laughs> um, also, one, th- one last thing I want to talk about the combine really quick. Like, did you hear the story about uh, Darius Geist was asked, like, if he, like, dudes, just, yeah. like, weird questions that they, they, they ask these players. Like, I don't understand. What was that question for?
3: I don't know. Yo, for me personally, like, when when I'm going – if I was a GM going to a draft, like, you're off – as long as you're, you know, not in trouble off the field, I could care less what your hobbies are, what your sexual orientation is, whatever you're into on the side, whatever. I don't care. As long as you're on time, at practice, committed to this job of being a football player – and you've showed out for whatever, you know, the three years of college or whatever you were in college for, and you could play ball, then I'll take you. I don't care. Like, personality, it don't bother me. As long as you show up every day for practice and on Sundays.
1: I agree. If it's not illegal, like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a boss on that one too, man. Like, if you could just – you just do your job. I don't – that's – everyone's their own person. They do their own thing. You know, I think that these questions are sometimes asked just to see if you're going to crack. Um, you know, Des Bryant famously was asked about his mother and, and, you know, those questions got a little out of hand. So maybe, maybe it's like testing your character and your composure. I mean, I can't really think of it being any other way. I'm trying to defend the GM or the agent or whoever is asking these questions. But for the most part, I think boss hit the nail on the head there.
3: I mean, I'm sure you'd like to get to know your, the guy you're drafting, but like to an extent, I mean, I wouldn't dive into those questions, if I were a GM, I could care less about that aspect of someone's life. I want to know, you know, if you're on TV seven days a week after media scrums, after practice, will you say the right things and stuff, not give BS answers or cursing or making our team look bad, you know? Like, I don't care what your orientation is.
2: Yeah, that question makes no fucking sense to me. That's um, a
3: good point, though, the character like nick said that no of course it. you
2: want you want to ask character building you know questions kind of like you know are you like trying to find out if they're a leader or not or what kind of person you are because i mean that I, that would play a role into if, if i'm drafting someone and they give me a bunch of answers it's like okay this is clearly someone who thinks for themselves and is not easily influenced doesn't go with the flow like they are by the book if like you want players on that team that are coachable and that will lead other players to do the right thing so i get that but asking someone like oh, by the way are you gay <laughs> it's like, what the fuck am I getting from that information? You know what I mean? So, I don't know. That doesn't make For sense. For sure. Um, staying on the NFL, uh, let's talk about free agency. We got a bunch of guys, uh, free agents. We have the top five right here. Um, Right now, we have five players. And uh kind of want to get your opinions on where this player is going to go. Yo, and I'm so- not going
3: to lie. This is my, like, favorite yearly type segment.
2: What, yeah, the, the- – the-
3: <laughs> the free agents. Yeah, like you play player, me and and you know we play GM. Yeah,
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna act as uh the players, and uh you guys gotta sell me. All right. So first one uh we have here, Kirk Cousins.
1: Hi, I'll, I'm Kirk.
3: Damn. All right. Actually, I was trying to get my pitch in first. I'll lose you. <laughs> no, no, no. Go. Sure. Nick, yeah. Right. First pitch because. He might sign before you can even get to give your pitch.
2: Bro, first of all, I'm not giving a pitch. I am Kirk.
3: I said Nick. Nick. Might oh. Be, you know what I'm saying? Nick might not. Best, be best for cool. last. Best for last, baby. <laughs> I'm one of those. I'm, one, I'm like the Mark Cuban not letting DeAndre Jordan leave his crib. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, shit.
1: You, you barricaded the door.
3: <laughs> nah, but Kirk, listen. I talked about you already in high regard as a big fish. You know what I'm saying? You might want to come to the Cleveland Browns. Not the most desirable in terms of location, but yeah, we have a couple top five picks. You know, we just had the number one pick, Miles Garrett, who we didn't see on full display. But when he was out there, you saw what he could do. He could get after the quarterback. You won't have to worry about him ever coming after you if you're on our team for the next four or five years. Um, we have weapons on offense, Kirk. We got Josh Gordon, who's reinstated. who looks like he hasn't missed a beat. You know, in the last couple games he played, we got Corey Coleman, who we drafted on potential, you know, a top 10 pick. We need someone to get him the ball. We also need him healthy. That's a different story. But we need someone to get him the ball. And uh, I don't know. You could be that guy. We're looking at Saquon Barkley. If you come join us at the number one overall pick. Listen, there might not be a better offense in the league if you come and join our team. And <sighs> we spent three bucks last year to build that O-line. You know what I'm saying? The defense is a work in progress. Hugh Jackson, you know, on the hot seat here and there. He's an offensive-minded coach, Kirk. He could work wonders with you. We saw what he did with Andy Dalton in Cincinnati, and that was Andy Dalton. So, Cleveland, Ohio.
0: If you win be honest. Here,
3: if you win here, you're a legend for life, for more than life.
2: I uh, will take that into consideration. Uh, it's hard to uh, – I, I, I'd have to take a risk to go to Cleveland okay it's a, it's a risk I, I do appreciate having a, a young team a lot of picks good guys on offense but I'm gonna listen to other things before I make my decision thank you so much <laughs> uh
1: you know um the gentleman over there representing the Browns mentioned legend I myself am a legend <laughs> uh John Elway here Kirk you know uh hold on hold on I'm getting a phone call no problem. Oh, it's, no problem. Oh, it's a FaceTime. It's Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders together. Look at them go. <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be nice to throw the ball to two all-pro caliber wide receivers and you have a defense spearheaded by Von Miller and that no-fly zone in the back. Now, I know Talib is rumored to get out of here, but it's okay. You know, we got Roby on one side. We got Chris Harris Jr. All right. We're a very dominant team at home, and the missing piece is you, Kirk. We need a quarterback with some balls. Because Trevor and Brock and all these other (laughs) legends that I've drafted before don't get the job done. I need a guy that's established. I can give you some big money. And I've done it before. I got Peyton to come over here, and Peyton became a winner. So come on over here. You want to be a legend? This is a class and model franchise in the NFL.
2: Mm, You know, I got to say, like, two years ago, this would be an easy decision. (laughs) I'm uh, (laughs) But uh, do I have to make a choice? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right.
1: Um. <clears throat> or you can hit us with the famous Espo best friend bar. I'll let you
3: know.
2: Oh, uh, I'll let you know. Uh, yeah. this, is, this is a toughie. <laughs> this is a toughie. I'll
3: be honest. That um, Denver case does not sound too uh, exciting.
2: I'm a little worried about Denver. They could. I don't know if, if they're the same defense that they were two years ago. Have maybe they fallen off? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're just they're not playing well because there's no reason to play well because you got Brock, Rocky Brock throwing the ball and a little Trep Trep throwing the ball. It's hard to be. Uh, but I'll get back. Hit they're on the this field one. a
3: lot more though. You got I'll give them that. They're on the field a lot more due to their inefficient their lack of efficiency at quarterback.
2: This is true. I don't know. The
3: wide receivers are approaching age thirty very fast. I must say.
2: Yes, but they're also very fast and still very good. <laughs>
3: I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you know. I'll get back to
2: you on that. <laughs> so let's switch now to our next free agent. Just, uh, just
3: come to the Jets, Kirk. You know what I'm saying? Just come to the Jets. You know, under the table. You know what I'm saying? Something, something.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alan Robinson, boss's boy.
3: That is my guy. Yo, I'll le- i le- him so bad out of the draft. Actually, I actually have like a tweet about that. I could go back and dig that up.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll uh, start this one off because uh, I'm going a little bit out of out of nowhere with this one. Um, Alan Robinson, I think you should sign with me. Me being Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, we need a real wide receiver, not no gimmick gadget wide receiver that can do one thing and one thing only, right? I like little Mike Campanero, but look, let's face it, he's a little random white dude in the slot. He can't really do much, <laughs> right? Mike Wallace, sorry, uh, this isn't 2013 anymore. All you do your whole career is run, run one route deep down the field. Right and look, I like to air it out, but I need a guy that can do it all. And I think Allen Robinson, I think you could do that. We need a wide receiver that could command double coverage. Look, you're only 24 years old. You're coming off an ACL surgery, but it happened in week one. I know you'll be prepared to start this season. We have a good amount of cap space, and I think that this is a situation you need to be in. This is a model franchise, year in year out. You know, our worst season under Joe Flacco has been a, 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 I believe it was a five wins. We had. But, you know, every now and then, you shit the bed. Look, you're usually losing with Jacksonville. Come on (laughs) over to Baltimore, baby.
3: All (laughs) right. Allen, listen. Carolina. Carolina is where you want to play, Allen. You know, we've had our ups and downs with, you know, the wide receiver position. The last couple – since Steve Smith left, really, we haven't been able to find that number one wideout we need uh kelvin benjamin worked out for a little bit but you know mvp cam had his best year without him so we sent him away and we're looking to find fill that number one role and you could be that guy coming off a torn acl listen i want to compare you to someone throughout the league um like an alshon jeffrey type thing where, where we see you as you know a one-year deal not the most lucrative but we, we still want you you know we want you to show out that you can come off this this knee injury and still be the same Allen Robinson. And then we'll be looking to lock you up long-term. Camp, Cam Newton, that quarterback, we competed last year. We can compete more with the number one wideout. Uh, tough division, but we can still get the job done here in Carolina. So if you want to be a part of success mm-hmm. and a part of Cam Newton's offense, you know what I'm saying, Allen? You can make that move
2: uh first of all I want to thank you guys for taking the time to talk to me I really appreciate that taking time on your day Just appreciate you taking the time um I think I think I'm gonna go to Carolina and join cam Newton take my talents to
1: to Carolina
2: 11 and five last year
3: score one for the Bulls.
1: I must <laughs> say that uh, I didn't that uh, that would be a pretty dope signing too if you're Carolina. I, I defer to Boss on this one. That was a good one. Yeah, I,
3: <laughs> I did have Baltimore. Baltimore definitely needs wideout help too. But uh, I definitely in
1: my opinion, my- I think I think that it's one one right now if we're keeping score. I think <laughs> I crushed the Denver one, but I think <laughs> Boss crushed me with Carolina. Just saying, just saying.
3: Yo, do you think he gets a one year deal though? Just because like the knee injury. Hey
1: Rob. could cr- hey, yeah, it could be. I can see I can see that being a possibility. They give them like you said, I, I think the model of what they did, what Philly did with uh, Alshon Jeffrey is perfect. Right, You give a guy 10 or eleven million dollars for one year and then, you know, halfway, not halfway, but around December, maybe even during the bye week in the playoffs, they extended Jeffrey for another four years. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a nice move. You're basically playing on a franchise tag if
3: you think about it. Uh, we still have with Terrell, Terrell prior too, in case that didn't work out, you know?
2: Yeah, does the division – you think the division plays a part in people signing to that team? Because, like, with Carolina, like, means this, this division's ridiculous. Uh, but if you're Baltimore, I feel like Cincinnati and the, and the Browns are kind of, like, you know, bottom of the barrel teams. I fucking hate Cincinnati. But – and then Pittsburgh, how many years does Big Ben have? And then once he's gone, I think that they're going to take a huge, like there's going to be a crazy regression there. So maybe Baltimore could
1: be that team. So if if you're looking at it, like he's, he's obviously a wide receiver. The corners in the north are kind of trash, right? Whereas in the south, you got MAGA corners, right? You got both those guys in uh, on the Saints, Lattimore and Crowley. You got uh, – uh Trufant in Atlanta and then um on Tampa Bay you got uh Vernon Hargrave. say what you want about him PFF had him as a top 20 corner um you got some tougher matchups over there and having to play those guys twice a year i think that definitely plays into it, 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 it is in consideration when you're going to sign somewhere
2: yeah especially because with this division if like all three of these teams they could i mean they can make the playoffs every fucking year Uh, but you you can't – like, you have to play at the highest level and just, like, always be – like, with with this division, like, you could – with the AFC North, you could – like I said, once Big Ben's gone, like, what's going to happen to this division? This division could fucking fall apart. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they still have a ton of talent in Pittsburgh, but, you know, Big Ben's really the glue in that whole situation. So, I mean, maybe, you know – Yo, am I crazy to think that in like five years, like the Browns could possibly, if they get a quarterback, could
3: like run this division? I don't think it's that crazy. They have a ton of youth. This is will that youth pan out, you know? We'll see. Yeah, it's mean, still to be determined. They're best set up. That'd be wild. In my opinion,
2: I'm going to be a super Browns fan when they're nice.
3: <laughs> see what I just <laughs> – you,
2: you tried to I'm gonna be a super w- I'm gonna Browns
3: wait. fan this year.
2: I was. You know, I was a Deshaun Kaiser fan. I was like, "Yo, I like this kid," and then he just fucking was tossing picks left and right. He's no fucking Nate Peterman, but you know, he's he's up there. Uh, all right, next free agent we have here, Tremaine Johnson.
1: I think hey. if you're the the uh, the Dallas Cowboys, I think is an ideal situation for you. If you're Tremaine Johnson, uh, Dallas needs secondary help really, really bad. And, you know, he's a guy that got franchised last year. They elected not to franchise him again this year because they got Marcus Peters coming in. Uh, Terrain Johnson, I think, is a very underrated corner. I don't know where to group him with. I don't think he's Marcus Peters or Richard Sherman. I also don't think he's the Janoris Jenkins and Trufant of the world. But I think he's in that 15 to 20 range, closer to 15 than 20, if you're ranking cornerbacks. Um, and I, I think that it's a, it's a situation where, look, you're going to have your hands full in that division too. You're going to have to worry about Odell, Sterling Shepard, uh, Jeffrey and Aguilar. Um, I don't know what's going on in Washington to be honest with you. So that's, uh, that, that's one up in the air. But I think if you're a Jermaine Johnson, you want to go to a team that needs you. And right now you need them too. The, the system fits you well. It's a very similar system to what Uh, Jeff Fisher ran when he was the head coach of the Rams, and that's where you flourished. A very similar system, like I said, in Dallas too. So if I'm Tremaine Johnson, I'm signing with the Dallas
3: Cowboys. Tremaine. Hey. Come to the Chiefs.
0: Listen, we
3: we just sent Marcus Peters out to to L.A., your your old home. Trying to make room for you, bud. You know, we got picked up Kendall Fuller. You know, we're, we want to groom him to be our one. And what better one to work under than you, Tremaine? You know what I'm saying? You could be our one. You could be our Marcus Peters. But we believe you're better than Marcus Peters in terms of coverage. And he was too much of a headache for us. You know, he was a little hot, you know, causing problems on the field, just taking, you know, he was a selfish type player, taking penalties for us. So we cut our ways. And uh, we want you to fill in. Listen, we won the division last year. Our division's kind of in flux right now. You got the Chargers there with, you know, they're playing in the soccer stadium. They're our, one of our only threats. Oakland doesn't look like they have the defense to, to compete with us. And Denver, they do have the defense, but there's no quarterback there or no offense in place. And uh, even though we're going with a rookie in Mahomes this year, he showed what he could do in his brief time. Tremaine, you're, you're one of the final pieces of this puzzle. Chiefs, Arrowhead. Doesn't get crazier than Arrowhead on Sunday. Damn, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'll get back to you guys. Yeah, you're terrible at playing player, bro.
2: There's a lot. I, yo, first of all, players don't need to make up their minds on the spot. I got to go home, talk to my family, and talk to the people close to me and my team and just find That's out what's said, going
3: on. I'm the Mark Cuban of this ish. Uh, the
2: next player we have here, Malcolm Butler.
1: Malcolm, my best advice to you is to get as far away from New England as possible. Mm. You don't want to be there. I don't. They don't want you there. They They don't. So I'm looking at the landscape of the NFL. And what's a team that you can maybe stick it to, New England, right? Who's a team that's close and you could be a missing piece that could get them over the hump? I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Whoa. The Steelers could use some more uh defensive backs to cover the new england patriot wide receivers right joe hayden joe hayden is up there in age he had a very solid year last year and you know he went from a losing culture to a winning culture you're coming from the ultimate winning culture but look we have the most super bowls in nfl history we Mm -hmm. are a winning culture and imagine having hayden on one side you on the other side right I know our pass rush isn't that strong, but having good defensive backs back there could cover some of the uh, weaknesses that we have on defense. And you are a prime candidate. We're going to give you big, month, big bucks because we're going to franchise Le'Veon Bell, so we're going to save some money there. And we're getting Ben to restructure because he's a great guy, and we're <laughs> going to get this money your way. So, Malcolm, you should come to Pittsburgh, black and yellow.
3: Oof. What do you got for me, boss? Playing with Hayden might have been cool four years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> Houston, baby. Houston, Oof. we may have a – Houston, we have a problem in the secondary, right? Uh, Bouye left. Jonathan Joseph is up there in age. Uh, our secondary was to be straight up trash last year. You know what I'm saying? A four-win team, not very appealing to the eye. But we have the future in place with the Sean Watson, at quarterback. We get J.J. Watt back full health you know him and Davion Clowney getting after the quarterback would create you know less time for them and more time for you to do your thing um i'm gonna keep it short and sweet we saw we got bouye paid we like to pay you since we missed out on him uh yeah come to houston we could easily go from worst to best in this division i think simply just by adding you to the roster
1: yo if i may uh I love when we just give, like, the list of the names, but then we don't say what teams they're going to so that I hear it the first time when we're recording. And, yo, I think you crushed that. <laughs> Butler going to Houston? Yo, that shit would be fire because they do need secondary help, right? And that's a team that's, like, on the come up. I remember I had a, a, an episode dedicated to the Texans being 50-1 to 1 odds to win the Super Bowl last year, and then Watson got hurt the next week. But it's like, yo, having Watson come back too, that team is gonna be Ooh, might have to make some bets when we go to Vegas this summer, boys. Ooh. Ooh. And JJ. <laughs> yeah, I know I, I know this is supposed to be a game where uh Joey has to pick against us too, but I'm just like I'm all in on he's always pick this he's now. T- <laughs> yeah, a top yeah, for that one.
2: I mean, especially this division, you really know what the hell's gonna happen. I mean the Titans are kinda like they've just been this team for so long. I mean, now that they've kind of identified like our Derek Henry is the one moving forward. I think, uh, I think they will be a little better, but Jacksonville, I honestly could see being going back to like an eight win team, to be honest. Like, I don't think there's anything too special about them.
3: Their Still is day, bad,
2: bro. Yeah, I know. But I, I just, I, their offense for me is like, you have to score to win. True that. You know what I mean? And I, and I think that, you know, uh, the Texans, you know, if they build their defense, they could, it, they could definitely. Their offense is way better than Jacksonville, I think. When 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 they were playing, fucking the ball they were playing in the beginning of the season with fucking Deshaun Watson, Yo Love um,
3: Fuller and uh, DeAndre Hawkins with Deshaun Watson was a problem. And Lamar. Hey, Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all
2: right, who do we have here? Last one, Nate Solder.
1: Nate, don't get too crazy. Don't overthink it. All right? We're in, the, we're in the AFC Championship every single year. All right? Unless you don't want to play in January anymore, I don't see why you're signing anywhere else other than New England.
3: Nate the Great. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've seen someone else leave New England and be successful, and that person I'm referring to is Jimmy G. So why not come? You know, come over to the west side? Nice weather, you know? A little cool in the wintertime, you know, the breeze by the bay, but, you know, we saw what we could do. We could win some games with Jimmy G at the helm. We got our quarterback. We Now we need someone to help our blind side. We need some O-line help pretty bad, and, uh, I don't know, you'd be a start. You'd be a start. Um, yeah, Nate, what do you think? You're to go in the Bay Area.
2: I think I'm going to stay in New England <laughs> just get my ring again.
3: <laughs> uh... i <think> it- <laughs> I was thinking he might get the New England treatment of, like, you're really good, but time to move on. Because yeah. he's 30 years old already, so it depends how much term he's looking for in terms of security. But, you know, I mean, Vince Wilfork was obviously older. You know, we've seen Richard Seymour, Tyler. All these guys are older than Nate Solder was, but they aren't hesitant to let someone walk out the door who's older in age and who's looking to be paid at the top of their position.
2: Yeah. Um, all right, another thing I wanted to talk about in the NFL before we wrap up NFL is like a lot of guys got tagged, the franchise tag. Um, and I just, know, like, I just want to know, like, instead of tagging them, like if you were the, the, you know, making these decisions, would you give them the deal they're looking for? Someone like Le'Veon Bell, who recently got tagged, he's um, actually like threatening to sit out. Is, would you would you
3: pay Le'Veon or are you or you're tagging this guy also?
1: I don't know where I stand. Uh, boss, I'll uh, I'll take this one to start. Um so with Le'Veon Bell, right? You're looking at a guy who he was franchised last year, made around uh 14 million dollars, and then if he was to get franchised again this year, another thirteen million dollars, it's twenty-seven million dollars in two years, all guaranteed. Um, I know he wants the long-term stability of a contract, but this is a guy that's been suspended twice for uh, drug issues. A third time, strike three, you're out for an entire season. So you have to factor that in. This guy has had 1,500 touches in his career. At what point is that going to catch up? Because we've seen it time and time again. A running back goes on these 3-4 excellent MVP level of uh, – kind of seasons and production and carries and touches, right? This is a guy who was the number nine wide receiver in PPR formats last year. One big reason for his holdouts is he wants to be paid as a number two wide receiver as well as a number one running back. That's why he's asking for 18 to $20 million a year. I think that there's some cause for concern. Like I mentioned, you know, 1,500 touches in four seasons, that's a shitload. Right. And he's been suspended and he's had two serious injuries, too. There's a lot on there. Is he worth it? Absolutely. But you can understand exactly what Pittsburgh is thinking with this entire situation. If you're if you're a fan looking at it from the outside.
3: Yeah, I mean, Nick hit the nail on the head with that one. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure they want to keep him. That's not no secret, but it's just the term and the price. Do they want to keep him? You know, God forbid he gets another injury. With all those touches he's racking up, how many hits is he taking, a, you know, a year? So it's it's a tough predicament. Like, I I don't know. Especially with the uncertainty at quarterback, like Ben Roethlisberger is pretty much year to year at this point. The way he's he talked last year, he said he wants to come back next year. But do you pay your running back that much money um, and be strapped with him for however long the term is without a quarterback in place? it's just i don't know there Pittsburgh's in a unique situation and i think it gets uglier before it gets prettier yeah uh what about Jarvis Landry i mean Jarvis you know he's doing his thing i mean i would i would kind of pay him honestly what else does Miami have going on down there they have Tannehill seems to be set in stone as their quarterback they're pretty committed to him they tried the jay color experiment for one year they don't seem set on taking a quarterback this year they're not really in a place to um jarvis landry's the best option for a quarterback like tan hill in my eyes you know that dump off over the under the under the you know those drag routes under the under the middle let him pick up yak he's what he's the best at what he does i think in the slot uh he's up there with edelman and them as a top slot receiver so i would pay him as such, he's not an outside guy, but I still, he's still my number one, you know, in terms of production. So, yeah, I'd pay, I pay Jarvis Landry, you know, keep him on term.
1: The, uh, the issue is what Boss just mentioned now, right? He wants to get paid like an outside guy. He's putting up outside guy production as far as catches, not so much the yards, but he's a slot guy, right? And you can only do so much as a slot wide receiver – And, you know, A. Dot is a new analytic term that has been thrown around, and it's average depth of target. His is like 0.7, right? This guy barely gets off the line of scrimmage. It's a lot of – basically, it's extended handoffs. That's why he poses – he posts a lot of 10 catches for 64 yards stat lines because that's his thing, and he's very good at it. Boss, I would even say he's the best slot receiver in football. If I had to make a list but you know he's a guy that wants to get paid 16 17 million dollars a year where he's really a slot wide receiver and you're really really good as a slot wide receiver when the guy on the outside is really really good also right Victor Cruz's prime years watching him he had Hakeem Nicks on the outside when Hakeem Nicks fell off the face of the earth Victor Cruz wasn't as wasn't the same wide receiver and you look at it time and time again anytime that slot receiver doesn't have that guy on the outside. It always hurts his production. Jarvis, I think playing under a franchise tag wouldn't be the worst thing ever. He'd be making a shitload more than what he'd be making as just a slot wide receiver salary.
2: Yeah. That's something that I always, I mean, even from like a fantasy fantasy perspective, like people love Jarvis because he has all those things, but I remember Dominic, we was pointing it out. He's like, yeah, Jarvis Landry, he's got 14 catches and 47 yards. Like, <laughs> uh,
3: not really a big
2: play guy, but,
3: you know. But he can be. He can be. No,
2: he, yeah, he can be. I mean, it, it, it seems like that's just become his role, and that's the kind of routes that they're going to design for him at this point because no one can guard him off the line, I guess. So why not just uh, – All right, another guy, uh, LaMarcus Joyner. Is this someone that you are going to pick?
1: So he was uh, – you know, he's gotten better every season with the Rams. Um, he's one of the best safeties in the league and he doesn't really get much love for it. Uh, he's in the prime of his career. I think that if you're the Rams, the biggest issue is you got to pay Aaron Donald and Aaron Donald is an absolute beast in every sense of the word. And Aaron Donald is going to command a Von Miller type contract. That's going to take up 18 to $20 million that you cap basically another quarterback on your roster. And if you're the Rams, your biggest luxury is that Jared Goff isn't really getting paid yet, right? So you can dish out money similar to what the, uh, remember what the Seahawks did a couple years ago. They, they were able to pay Russell Wilson pretty much what a punter makes. I think the punter was making more money than him. And then they were able to go get Bennett, Averill, pay Sherman, pay Thomas, pay Chancellor, all these guys. And then what happens once Russell Wilson's turn is time to get paid all those guys have to take a pay cut or they get cut, right? And you're looking at a situation with the Rams where they got to pay Donald. They, they're they going to have to pay this guy, Joyner, too. I think they should pay Joyner because of the
3: luxury of not having to pay Jared Goff at this point in his career. You know, it's funny how, like, <laughs> remember the Hard Knocks? I mean, you don't put too much stock in the Hard Knocks. Remember when he was playing with Jeff Fisher? He's just like, man, I don't know if I love the game anymore be. He was, like, questioning his love for the game and shit. He was, like, showing up late. But, uh, I mean it's they're they're tough too because they got Aaron Donald so if I'm choosing between either of those I'm taking I'm paying Donald and you know what I'd franchise him this year let him you know see how well we do they're a threat to win the NFC West again I mean I keep it on a one- year type thing and if he if we don't have the money to pay him I'd rather keep Donald instead like Nick said
2: hmm. all right and uh, last one we have here Demarcus Lawrence.
1: I think this is a very similar issue to Le'Veon Bell in the sense that I think Dallas is hesitant to pay this guy because, you know, in 2015, he got eight sacks and he didn't play much in 2016. Uh, he got suspended, then had a back injury that he needed surgery for. Um, when he does play, he's one of the best pass rushers in the league. Uh, this past year, he had 15 sacks and, you know, he's still young. He's, he's going to be 26 in April. Um, But I think it's, you know, he's been suspended for PEDs. He's been suspended. He's been hurt. And you don't want to give a guy a deal like that. And like I said before earlier in the episode, my top three positions, if I'm paying, is quarterback, offensive line, pass rusher. And if I'm going to give you that kind of money, you're going to be one of the three players that eat up the most of my cap. I need you to be a, a sure thing, not just on the field. But I need to be able, if I'm Jerry Jones or if I'm – well, Jerry Jones is the GM also. If I'm the GM and the head coach, I want to be able to go to sleep at night and not have to worry about phone calls late at night because he did some dumb shit. And I think that through his track record off the field, he's done some dumb shit.
3: Yeah. I'm going to pay him. I'm going to pay him. I mean, realistically, Dallas needs all the help on defense they can get in terms of getting after the quarterback. You know, really just anywhere in their front seven, I mean – their struggles without Sean Lee were, you know, heavily noted in terms of their points against and yards given up with him off the field. So imagine taking the Marcus Lawrence off that team. It, it just gets worse. And uh, I don't know. He's, he's a special type talent. Like Nick said, when he's out there, but I'm still taking that risk. You know, I'm paying him. I, I, I want to keep him if I'm Dallas. He's, he's young. He still has another three or four really good years left in him as a pass rusher. So I pay him. He's in his prime and he's one of the, best doing
2: it right now. They had him, uh, they credited him with 52 quarterback pressures, which is a number like a Cowboys pass rusher hasn't had since 94. So, I mean, he provides a whole different dynamic to this defense. Um, All right, cool. And also let's talk about Seattle. I mean, it seems like, you know, something's going on with like Richard Sherman and shit. We just saw uh, Bennett get shipped to, uh,
3: Philadelphia,
2: um,
3: it's just fucking getting better and better. I know it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Nick, no comment.
1: What's going on with oh. Sherman? Well, no comment because uh, I'm I'm remembering that they're gonna get the MVP back and they just won the Super Bowl. So it's gonna be a that. long couple of years for me as a Giants fan.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, yo, we were. I was just talking about it with. Uh, You know, just now about how what happened with the Seahawks is that their window closed and all these guys that were getting paid got paid. And then when it was time to pay Russell Wilson, you saw that's when all the BS started. And the BS, I mean, is from the contract standpoint, right? Joe gets paid $25 million a year. Well, sorry, let's say Joe gets paid $15 million a year, right? Like Richard Sherman was. And Boss is making $12 million a year like Michael Bennett is. And then I'm Russell Wilson, and I'm making half a million dollars a year. Then when I get paid, I'm making $25 mil a year. And Tim, who's not here with us, we didn't we didn't mention it, but uh, Tim is the GM, and he pulls you two aside, and he goes, yo, guys, we just paid Nick. You got to give him $25 million. Can you guys take a pay cut? You'd be like, yo, man, what's up? Why I got to take a pay cut? And then that's yeah. when all the BS starts. That's when all the issues pop up and all these stories about how the offense and the defense weren't getting along and things like that. When you when you mess with someone's money, you could see how that becomes an issue. And I think that the window has just closed on Seattle. And yo, they had a fantastic run. Super Bowl appearances, won a Super Bowl, bye week pretty much every single season. Uh, a 10, Ten win seasons during this uh, Carroll and Wilson era. Look, they, they could do some fine tuning and get back there again, but for the most part i think that that legion of boom that dominance is, is kind of done with
3: yeah they were for sure you know they reaped the benefits of having a rookie quarterback like russell wilson and that deal you um, yo yeah, well, not for nothing that's it's arguably the best defense i've seen in my time as a football fan you know the, the giants were up there in the in the late 2000s and the and the ravens as well you know with the ray lewis thrill Suggs and ed reed type days in our early in our young years but uh, of late, Seattle has been. I thought they were going to change the game. Honestly, the way teams were trying to build teams, because after they made it to the Super Bowl, they were strictly built on defense with a with a heavy run game and Russell Wilson as a young as a young guy. So I mean, times have changed. now. I mean, Russell Wilson had to get paid, you know. So obviously, good things can't last forever. And and Richard Sherman cut off that torn Achilles. So he's getting up there in age. How is he going to recover from that? You know, it's, it's a risk keeping him at, at his cap. So if I'm the Seahawks, I mean, it's kind of as crazy as it sounds like it's 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 a no brainer to cut him in my eyes. He's up there in age, 20 Achilles, you know, other son, move They had their run. Like Nick said, it was it was a phenomenal run. But good things don't last forever.
1: I hear you. Yeah, you've seen a lot of you've seen a lot of defenses in NFL history have that one great year, right? Where you know the '85 Bears, the '2000 uh, Ravens, uh, Denver two couple of years ago, right? But this team has had great years for five, six seasons. It is an all time defense, and you'll remember the Legion of Boom. But you know their time is up. I think. Yeah.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to spitball. Uh we're gonna start it with uh around Europe we go.
1: Champions League uh concluded this week. Well for the most part, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Juventus coming back, and Man City all advance to the elite, the, the elite eight of uh <laughs> Champions League.
3: Yo, Nick, uh I was talking to our buddy Marco, he was like, Yo, Real Madrid hasn't done a thing right all year. They played one of the best teams in Europe and blow by them. <laughs> He was blown away.
1: Yeah, and uh, a lot of people in uh, Europe are – a lot of memes are being put out of uh, PSG who spent (laughs) half a billion dollars this summer and got knocked out in the round of 16. So they got some uh, explaining to do. Jesus.
3: Uh, T-City. Brian Ortega became the first person to ever finish the legend Frankie Edgar this past weekend. And uh, T-City is about to be C-City, Championship City. Guess he's getting this title shot? I saw a video clip of Dana White. giving him the call. Let him know he's next. So, uh, yeah, should it should be good. I know a Holloway tweeted 226. Uh, that's the Steep DC card in Vegas. So, we'll see. That'll be – that's an interesting finding I'm looking forward to that one.
2: That'd be a dope card.
3: Would be. Two, that's super dope. One. Yeah.
1: Uh,
2: David that Oh.
1: Uh, David Astori, last Sunday, passed away at the age of 31. Uh, The captain of Fiorentina in Italy died in his sleep. And with that news that came out, the entire Serie A was on hold last week. Nobody played. And Fiorentina is retiring his jersey number. No one's going to be able to wear that again. And the league will continue this week. So. Very sad news in the world of soccer with that uh, passing of David Asori. It's crazy. Uh,
2: Modern day GOAT.
3: Sidney Crosby said the kid put up his 1100th point the other day with a couple assists and a win. And uh, yeah, he's the modern day GOAT. I know Dan Bosman came out and said he's not the best player. He's just the smartest player, which is kind of crazy to say, I think. But you know, he's our today's Dwayne Gretzky, Sydney kid, the goat. Jeez.
2: Um, all right, cool. Let's let's talk about NHL now that you brought it up. <laughs> uh, there's only like 14 games left or so, something like that. Um, so what are the playoffs looking like?
3: I mean, the divisions are are kind of set. You know, if you run through them, that they, they've pretty much separated themselves. I know, like the Atlantic Division for what it is. Those teams have been set since, uh, like, the halfway point of the season. So, I mean, I kind of want to dive into the wild card aspect of it, like who's in and who's out.
2: So,
3: mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's still teams on the cut. The West is, I think, more interesting than the East. There's about four teams, a couple of points that only separates them. And, uh, yeah, let's just dive right into it.
2: Yeah, so, like, which teams do you guys have in the, in the wild card right now? Because like I said, in the West, I mean, there is three or four teams that could possibly jump in there, and they're all separated by like five points, I would say. Uh, for, but for the most part, there's teams that are separated by one point or whatever. So it's very close in the West. In the East, it's kind of sort of the same, but just less teams. Uh, so who do you guys have that is currently in the, a wildcard spot that, that could get knocked out, and who's out that could get in?
1: I'm going to start off with with the Eastern Conference. I got the the Devils out. They're currently holding a wild card. And I got the Florida Panthers in. Uh, You know, I always got to go to Vegas to kind of help me out a little bit on sports, you know, kind of change shit up a bit. The Florida Panthers have the third easiest remaining strength of schedule. And also, when you look at the standings, they have 64 games played where the Devils have 67. So they have ground to make up, too. And also the Panthers, uh, sorry, the Devils, they've been spearheaded by – I don't know if you guys have been following. Taylor Hall is on this, like, ridiculous run. I think I think last time I checked, it's at 27 games in a row. He's recorded a point, and he's just been a man-possessed. And, you know, you look back at that trade boss that happened with Edmonton.
3: How do you think that uh, that played out? You think the Devils definitely got a steal there, right? Yeah, it's going to go down as one of the best trades in, in- – Maybe NHL history, definitely in Devil's history. It's crazy because the Oilers were, you know, we knew what the Oilers were last year. They were a top dog with Connor McDavid and uh even Jordan Eberle, they traded for nothing. Like Ryan Strom has done nothing for them. They traded Taylor Hall for two years ago for Adam Larson, who hasn't really panned out. So damn, the Oilers kind of fucked themselves up, man. Yep. Yeah. that's crazy as Yo, it's
1: it's 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 also nuts to think about how last year a lot of people were saying that the Oilers were a year or two early to the party, right? Like they made the playoffs and they were solid. McDavid won the uh, Hart Trophy, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because I remember I had Dylan on Degeneration Bets, and he told me and all the fans of the show not to bet on Connor McDavid. There's no chance he's going to win the MVP, and then he wins the MVP. And then coming into this year, the the Oilers were everyone's like not Cinderella, but everyone's, you know how everyone was coining the Jaguars last year to be the team that was going to make noise. They thought that it'd be Edmonton this year and they really have fallen from grace. And, you know, you lose a guy like Taylor Hall. I think that that's that in the long run, when you don't get equal return, that's going to hurt you there. So I got the Panthers going in and I got the Devils getting out. If you're looking at the East.
3: It's crazy because the Panthers are the hottest team definitely in the East. Where like, if you look around, you know the Islanders were kind of hovering in a wild card spot, and they're like two, five, and three. They can't win any games right now. Um, the Rangers kind of sold off at the deadline, so they kind of gave in. And at the midway point of the season, where it was those two teams and the Devils and the Jackets hovering those, you know, those last two spots, those four teams. Everyone was shitting on the Atlantic because you know you have the Leafs up there. Um, the Lightning and the and the Bruins, who pretty much secured those spots for the division by the halfway point, and the rest of the division like the Senators, the the Habs, and the Sabers, bottom feeding in the East, and now Florida's playing good hockey, man, and they're, and they're right there. Like Nick said, the games in hand advantage is huge. Like that's a six point possible swing if they win all three of those games, so they're definitely in the driver's seat. I have them finishing in, but I have Columbus falling out. I don't really like the John Tortorella type system I never have personally. And they went out and added Vanek who doesn't really fit that system at the deadline. Like that was kind of one of their bigger moves. Um, I don't know, he has a goal scoring touch, but he's the most anti John Tortorella type player there probably is in the league. So I have them falling out. I, I like what the Panthers are doing. They're young. I like Barkov and uh, Aaron Ekblad is another former form number one overall pick. Um, yeah. I got Florida going in. They also got that narrative, you know, they're playing for the hometown after that. That's right. Unfortunate yeah. in Parkland. So, um they've been playing really well and kind of giving it an uplift to that city. Um so yeah, you know, it's it's a feel good story as well if you want to throw that touch on there and uh yeah, I think they could, you know, take one of the playoff spots as a wild card team from I'm going with Columbus falling out. And who's getting in? Florida the Panthers.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Um West,
2: West. Wake up, we Mr. West. West. We got
3: West, Mr. Fred. We got
2: Colorado, Calgary, St. Louis. Like these teams are all separated by two points, and LA, who's currently in, has seventy-seven points. Colorado also has seventy-seven points. Very close here. Uh, so, what do we got in the West?
3: I'm going with Colorado. I kind of like, um, you know, Nathan McKinnon. Another number one overall pick. I feel like that's just the trend right now in this segment. Um, know, he's playing like a heart trophy caliber player. Him and uh, Taylor Hall, I think, should be up there for the heart this year. So, uh, yeah, I like what they're doing with the Avs. Um, it's taking a couple of years to come along, but uh, I got them getting in. I'm not necessarily sure who, who I – I guess I, I take the Kings out. They're more of an older veteran-laden team. Uh, they sure know how to win this time of year. But uh, I'm going with the young blood and, and the rush of possibly, you know, making their first playoff appearance in a couple of years. Um, yeah, I got the the Avs taking the last spot in the West.
1: I think for the reason that boss has the Kings out, that's the reason why I got them in. And I got the Kings and Dallas in. I think the experience of these teams going forward, they know that this is the home stretch and they know that they got to take care of business in these last – what you say, Joe, 13, 14 games left, roughly? Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah so these teams have been there, done that. Right, you got, you still got that championship pedigree of Dowdy, Kopitar over on uh, on the Kings. And then, you know, when you're looking at the Dallas, they're, they're always in these big-ass shootout kind of games. So I think that they're going to hold pack. I, though I, I was watching um, Colorado a couple – was it weeks ago or a couple games ago? McKinnon just went absolutely bananas. He had like a five-point game. This yeah, shit was yeah. crazy. It's always fun to watch. Like, it's amazing in hockey where a guy is on the ice for about forty-five seconds to a minute, and the impact that they get. Right, they can yeah. you know that ice yeah. time. A game is sixty minutes, and they're on the ice for twenty, twenty-five minutes. So you know, physically, they can't. They can't be out there for sixty minutes. They, they die yeah. out there. You know, it's too much. The wear and tear, and just the game is just it's out of control, the conditioning. So to see a guy like McKinnon a couple of weeks ago just do that, it was just very impressive for me. But I'm saying with the Kings and the Stars remaining in those two wild-card spots out west.
3: I'm just biased. I mean, I like what the, the abs have going. I like uh, Tyson Berry and Landis Gog. Also, Bernier and Varlamov are kind of like a, a tandem, a split tandem. So they're they're holding it down. in Nets, I don't know. They got Eric Johnson back who missed the – significant time a couple years ago and uh he was their number one d-man who they got in a trade with st louis uh back in the day so i mean i just like they're a team of youth and i want to see nathan mckinnon in the playoffs that's all but uh so i might be a little biased but i think the abs definitely have a shot to unseat a team sitting in the playoffs like not, right now like the the kings
2: it's interesting too because with the west you we have dallas and los angeles i'm just looking at it. their next games dallas is playing anaheim And the Kings are playing uh, Washington. So it's just funny that if they both drop those games, the other teams like Colorado, Calgary, they could just pop right in. Like this could be flip-flopping for like the rest of the season.
3: Yeah, and tiebreakers coming, you know, like regulation wins and overtime wins the shootout wins. So it's definitely (laughs) going to be a fun chase to follow down the stretch rather than the East, you know, because there's like more teams in the mix and the head-to-head games are going to be great you know, the division games come down the stretch. So, you know, it's, it's a great time if you don't follow hockey to start tuning in now, better late than ever, you know, even if it's West coast, actually if you're on the West coast, you should definitely be watching these games because just about every night, every game has playoff implications.
2: Mm. All right, cool. Well, uh, that is our episode for today. Um, like we said, Snowstorm got us, so we're doing the the Google Hangouts for today. So I got the snowstorm still coming uh, out.
3: Got Tim. Tim, where you at, son? <laughs>
2: Tim, I think he's doing parent-teacher conferences or some shit today. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Um. Anyway, Nick, where can they find you? Uh,
1: Lamb VM10 on all social media outlets. Check out the Jerks. The Jerks bracket. Get your votes in. We put up a bracket for the best finishing moves. And wrestling history at Pod is a Twitter handle over there.
2: Yo, by uh, the way, Easy voted for the Swanton Bomb in the first round.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's been some lopsided ones, but yeah, you could tell like our demographic is very recent to wrestling. So a lot of the moves like Curb Stomp beat the Razor's Edge. I don't know if Frankie lost mm, his mm, mind on that one. That's Bro, bad. That's really I bad.
3: Voted, I voted, and like, no, when you vote, obviously the results like, appear. Son, that was the, the disparity in the voting. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. But,
1: yeah, check it out. We're getting some good feedback, and it's a pretty cool thing
3: to get fans in, uh, to interact. Where can I find you, boss? at Vito27 on Twitter and the Gram.
2: You guys can follow Tim at Tim Patrop on all social media, and uh, you can follow me at Joe Sanagato, and go follow the show at Veterans Minimum our Instagram, veterans underscore minimum, and lastly, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash veterans minimum. And that is all. See you next time.